Welcome to the Courageous Entrepreneur Show. This is the show that shares information and inspiration to help you break free from self-doubt, limiting beliefs and disempowering patterns, and break through to create the thriving, successful business you dream of and deserve. I'm your host, Winnie Anderson. I interview entrepreneurs who have overcome amazing challenges to create success on their terms and experts who share insight and practical information that can help you get past blocks, move forward with courage, confidence, and clarity. The show is available in both video and audio formats on a variety of platforms, including Apple Podcasts, which was formerly iTunes, YouTube, and on my website, WinnieAnderson.com. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll share the show with others in your networks, and I hope you'll decide to become a fan of the show on my site at winnieanderson.com slash fans. When you do, you'll get episodes delivered right to your inbox. You'll also receive information, tips, and resources to help you come out of hiding, position and pre-sell yourself as the unique solution provider you are so you can profit from your expertise. You know, that famous philosopher Anonymous said that being self-employed is the toughest self-development program there is. That's because you come face-to-face with your own crap. Well, things you thought you dealt with years ago or stuff you never realized you had will just come flying right back up in your face. In the work I do with solo professionals, we talk about creating a content strategy. And one of the things I hear from women I work with is, I don't want to be on camera, or I don't want pictures of myself on my website, or I can't speak in front of a group. When I dig a little deeper, I discover that this is typically because they hate how they look. They find fault with their features and believe everyone who looks at them will judge them negatively. While it may look like I'm comfortable on camera myself, that's only because I continue to do a lot of work on my own issues, issues around my appearance and my self-image. I continue to wrestle with being an emotional eater, as a matter of fact. Because I've dealt with and continue to deal with some of the same issues that my clients and my students do, I know how poor self-image can hold us back in marketing ourselves and in our work. So I knew when I met today's guest that I had to have her on the show to talk about this. She's a great example of something that many of my guests exemplify, and that's using their wound as a driving motivator to help others. As a body image expert, coach, and public speaker, and an acclaimed author, Laura Fenimore is on a mission to help women around the world finally end the constant battle with their bodies and start adoring who they see in the mirror. Her approach walks students and readers through the heartfelt journey to self-love at any size or any age and unlock the secrets of the path to lasting physical, emotional, and spiritual health. After overcoming a lifelong struggle with addiction, obesity, and eating disorders, Laura released 100 pounds, and she has kept it off for more than 29 years. She chronicles this journey to self-love and health in her widely acclaimed book, Skinny, Fat, Perfect, Love Who You See in the Mirror. For the past 12 years, Laura has worked alongside hundreds of women through her body image mastery programs and public speaking engagements. She's inspired thousands more to release excess pounds, reclaim their self-esteem, and live bold, beautiful lives through her global online community at SkinnyFatPerfect.com. She conducts classes and consultations from her office in Marin County, California. 
Laura is also a frequent co contributor to print and digital media nationwide, including many magazines that you probably read yourself, First for Women, Ladies Home Journal, and Better Homes and Gardens, as well as she's an active member of the online communities Positively Positive, Tiny Buddha, and The Daily Love. She serves on the board for Impact of Village, which is a nonprofit dedicated to improving education and health care in developing nations. So listen in as Laura shares her own journey from self-loathing to self-love, how a nightmare of childhood abuse led to emotional eating and put her in an obesity clinic when she was in the fourth grade, how she bounced from an eating disorder to other forms of self-medication, including drugs and even thoughts of suicide. She talks about the impact of society on men and women developing an unhealthy body image and even developing self-hatred, the greatest protector we have and use, and how we inadvertently use food treats to reward and celebrate, which can then develop into an unhealthy relationship with food. As always, listen all the way to the end where I'll share your reflection exercise and action step for this episode. All right, so welcome, Laura. I'm so excited to have you here today, and I appreciate the time that you are sharing. So we're going to dive right in here. And this is really a thorny topic, mm -hmm. and I know that we're both straight shooter kind of girls, so we're just going to take it where it does and, you know, let it be out there. So you are, if I'm calling this, if I'm labeling this right, you are a body image coach. Is, is that right? Can you talk about what that is and, you know, how the heck did you become a body image coach? Oh, great. Winnie, I am just honored to be here, I have to tell you. So I say body image coach, uh, body image expert, speaker, trainer, teacher, all of the above. And writer, too. I, I, I know. It's writer. tremendous. Your writing credits are awesome. I read all those magazines you've been in. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. So you get to see the after now. Um, but I do want to go back. I, I say to my students all the time, I don't want to stay back, but I want to go back. We go back <laughs> to learn and we right. move forward to succeed. So I want to just go back and give you a little history of how I got to where I am today. So you and I definitely have this a lot in common, including East Coast Bloods, blood. I am um, a native New Yorker. I uh, am the youngest of eight children, Italian Catholic family, Long Island, New York. And if I had to sum up my childhood in one word, it would be nightmare. So unfortunately, it was a really tough beginning. Um, when I came out of the womb, I came into a very hostile, angry, kind of insane environment and my father was an unmedicated undiagnosed mentally ill person and he had been severely abused and instead of being treated and helped he took all of his anger and rage out on his children and he had eight of them so by the time I got around being the eighth I my mom had you know seven children and a crazy husband to deal with and what happened with me is I took to that bottle and I say I was a compulsive eater out of the womb. And I started eating out of control. I mean, food became, you know, we all have heard um, food referred to as food is the ultimate comforter. It's the ultimate love. But I took to that bottle like there's nobody's business. And by the time I was in fourth grade, Winnie, I was in an obesity clinic. 
I weighed, I weighed in fourth grade. And back in those days, that was in the 60s, um, childhood obesity was, you know, like right. I was considered a freak of nature. I mean, I was in this yeah. obesity clinic on Long Island with a lot of people that. I know people who, because I, I was born in 62. I grew up in, in the 60s and 70s. And I know kids who, they, it was rare. When we had a kid Very who rare. was even 10 pounds heavy, heavier than, you know, than they air quote should be the abuse that they would get was just incredible so to have to be a child and truly be obese truly be heavy i yeah. can't imagine the emotional trauma yeah. that you experienced as a result it must have been horrible well my last name is fenimore so my nickname was fat fenimore and you know i was bullied i was you know ridiculed it was very very painful considering what was happening at home and what was happening at school right. Really painful, but I couldn't stop eating. And so, what happened is my father put my sister into um, a horrible state. She was hospitalized and um, in a coma. And what happened is the state came in, and I went into foster care. So when I was 11 years old, I was ripped from my family. I went to foster homes, and um, I was still coping. But 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 the food turned into alcohol, turned into drugs, turned into cigarettes, turned into sex, turned into everything. So by the time I was 24 years old, Winnie, it's, I was planning my exit. I was just obsessed about how I was going to kill myself. And, and that's the only real thing. I mean, the, my early 20s was all about leaving the earth. And um, I was really out of control. But meanwhile, I had... I had gotten myself in a very drunken state to California, which I thought was the Holy Land. But unfortunately, <laughs> I went deeper into the darkness before I was able to meet an angel from the East Coast who actually basically gave me a way out. She told me that there was another way, and I didn't know why this person in particular I chose to trust but I didn't trust anyone at that point in my life. I had felt completely defeated by a father who told me I should have never have been born every day. And then years of abandonment from leaving my mom and my brothers and sisters. And it was just all of that and crazy foster care. And so I just didn't trust people, but I trusted her. And she basically told me that there was another way and she would love me until I learned to love myself. And that got me into 12-step, and I ended up spending, you know, many years there getting clean and sober, drying out, and um, I released 100 pounds. And I got a very, very direct message from the universe at that point, which is you are supposed to heal, and then this is your life's work. And, of course, you know, when you're 24 and you're crazy and you're in recovery and like, what does that mean? But when I look back at my journals from my late 20s and my early 30s, I clearly see that the universe had a path for me. And so here at almost 54, this is why I do what I do. <laughs> I am going to start to boo-hoo before we even get halfway through this interview. That is an incredible story. And there's so much there that I think relates to myself and, and so many other people that are, are listening. Mm -hmm. And it's this, you know, it, as trite as it sounds, make your mess your message, but uh, the, the hero's journey, I, we're sense-making creatures, and for some reason, you know, mm -hmm. there, in one episode, I you shared a quote from Mother Teresa, 
I know that God wouldn't give me anything that I couldn't survive. I just wish he didn't trust me so much. And, <laughs> and, and, and it's, it's so incredibly true. You, you know, we go through these awful stories and you're just thinking, you know, why me? Mm-hmm. And, and, and the debate to, to take your life or not is real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I faced it more than once myself. Why you choose not, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. I'm and really- I, th- I, think your, I think your decision to say, I'm going to use this to help other people, mm-hmm. I think that to a degree is the saving grace there. Mm-hmm. It, it makes sense of what you experience and gives a new crusade mm-hmm. to then help other people. So mm-hmm. I applaud you and, and it's incredible that you survived all of that. Yeah, well, can I just interrupt? Yes, please. I want to say, you know, like honor you for, you know, having had that experience too. And you're strong. You're courageous too. You know, it's like it take we're mirrors. It takes one to know one. Mm-hmm. And I don't take for granted all the mental illness, the suffering, the darkness, all the hell that people are living in on this planet. And that's why I, again, when I was spared, I feel like there was a big responsibility with that. And, you know, like I definitely felt like God chose me because I could handle it and I have been able to handle it. It has not been a picnic, but it certainly has been my mission and my purpose. And, you know, people struggle with what's your purpose. I've been clear about my purpose since I'm 24, how that was going to look or what it was going to look like and that didn't mean like I said that it wasn't like this for me all these years but it is very clear that this was a privilege to stay alive because I know lots of people who have killed themselves oh god yes and (laughs) and 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 maybe those who haven't killed themselves truly physically but who have withdrawn from life Mm -hmm. absolutely So let's let's talk for a few minutes then about this decision to make this your mission. Mm -hmm. How does how did you do it? How did you decide that I am going to make this my mission and I am going to help people who are walking the same path or want the same outcome? Can you talk a little bit about just how the heck do you do you make your your mission? Well, when I was a little girl, my nickname was Barbara Walters because also not only was I <laughs> I was asking a lot of questions, mm-hmm. I was constantly curious. I was always asking questions. And I know that my question, my obsessive question asking was, you know, kind of fear of my own. I, I always thought that I was stupid and I would just ask a lot of questions. So one, um, so I had that always that innate sense of curiosity. I've also always been an extrovert and I, and I'm very driven. So I was like, okay, God, I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know how this is going to work, but you, you got to direct this ship. And one thing that I was really clear about is this is your work and you cannot do it until you heal yourself. So I released a hundred pounds, got clean and sober, got off drugs, cigarettes, all of that stuff. But I still hated myself and I still hated my body because there was a tremendous amount of baggage. So I spent 10, the first 10 years of my recovery were so intense. And I'm not suggesting that people have to go through what I went through. I mean, like I said, I feel like 
you know, I've done the really hard, heavy lifting so that I can give people tools that make it a little bit easier. But I spent a tremendous amount of time in healing because I'm like, I cannot do this work until I can heal. And I, you know, knew that I had to, first of all, I can't be a body image expert and still hate my body. I can't, you know, be obsessed about the scale and about diets and food and say that I know about that stuff, you know, and I was still thin, popping laxatives, popping diet pills, completely obsessed about my body, insanely critical of myself and judgmental. And so that stuff had to get pushed away. Now, don't think for one second, Winnie, that I don't have horrible days where I, you know, hate my body and hate myself. (laughs) I mean, of course, I'm human. Right. for the most part, it is on the back burner, and the critic does not run my life anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know, my spirit's uh, in charge. And I think that's a great statement. I, uh, in another interview I did with Mark Baker, who has a similar path of abuse to creating an abundant life as a speaker and, and salesperson, etc., he talked about that same kind of thing, that it's almost like being an alcoholic. You know, once you have these, these, we'll just call them limiting beliefs for a phrase, once you have them, they're there. And it's a, I think it's a, a continuous journey to master them. Mm-hmm. And as we grow, the little voice is always there lurking, trying to pull mm-hmm. us backward. But I think mm-hmm. the key is to develop that muscle of strength mm-hmm. and and the community around us so that we're always fully healthy and able to Tell that little beast to shut up. <laughs> really? But look, can I just want to, to grab on one thing here. Can you talk a little bit about where this hatred of body comes from? I know mm. different people manifest it differently. There are folks who were physically abused and then they loathe their body because they feel they encouraged it somehow. And then, but, and I, and I know my own hatred because I did I hated myself I'm just as awful I hated everything about myself mm-hmm. uh, but the body image hatred I think came from the constantly hearing that I was ugly and worthless and, and stupid etc and then also the inordinate attention I got I was a curvy person and because I'm so little I look twice as as busty as my mom would say as I really am but when I was little and I burst out of here, you know, I really got unwanted attention. And I mean, from adults, from teachers who would make these awful comments. So can you talk a little bit about that, where the your hatred came from and where other people get this, yeah. I hate my body concept? Well, I love being a woman and I love men, but we have very different gender roles in this culture. That men are socialized one way and women are socialized to be i mean mm-hmm. sexual objects basically that's like in a nutshell and there's no one to make wrong about this it is just a fact mm-hmm. it's the way that we our culture lie i mean our culture dictates you know boys like trucks girls like dresses boys like you know combat girls like Barbie. I mean, it's just the way it is. And those zero to 10 years are so 
they're the crux. That is the heartbeat of who we become. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the old days, Winnie, I would say I want to take on Madison Avenue and the magazines and, and you know, the whole media and just how we are completely exposed to these perfect, perfect images right. that are useless. I mean, it's just silly. I mean, and we now know we're false, right? With Photoshop. Well, we know, now we know they're false, except they're yeah. perpetuated every day in every way. And we're, right. we're we're at least exposed to at least 300 images every day of perfect people. And so we're internally, we're constantly criticizing ourselves and comparing ourselves. We're not conscious of it, but it's this, it's this like, that's that demon, that subconscious demon inside of it. And we might be conscious of it too, but mostly we're being like, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not. So we're constantly comparing ourselves especially women to other women. It's, it's the curse. It's the lie. I say, I bought the lie. You bought the lie. We all bought the lie. The lie is there. How we deal with the lie is what is our job because the lie is there. Right. So you decided to make this your mission. You got yourself well, released the weight. You've kept it off for what, like 20 years now or something? 29. 29 and a half. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. Uh, Yeah, next year's my 30-year anniversary. Yay, yay, you. That's fantastic. So – what was really your first step? So you decided, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this my mission. You got well. Then how does how does one start making this, uh, let's just call it an expert brand? What were some of the things that you started to do? Well, I first started just coaching individuals. Okay. And then I created my course, which is called Body Image Mastery, and started teaching it. And like I was like, oh, my God, I'm not only does this make my heart sing, to watch women's lives change pretty radically and dramatically because most of the time when women come to me, they've not done a lot of inner work and all of a sudden their life kind of gets opened up and in a huge way, like, wow, I never realized how much I hated myself and my body. And maybe I realized it, but I didn't see any hope for myself. And now I see hope for myself and there's hope and help out here. Do you Mm -hmm. find that there are, is a lot of clinical depression that is connected to this? Like, do, do folks need to get involved with maybe a therapist or, or medication to address some kind of depression issue so they can then focus on, I hate myself, you know, my body image as well? Or does it, how do you, how do you, man, how do you manifest change, I guess, is really what we're talking about here. Yeah, well, I mean, there's always, I am not a therapist. I'm a coach, and there's a very big difference. And I don't want to like, I don't cross that line. I don't cross a line. I know when I can't handle something. Right. Period. End of story. I am completely in my integrity. I've been doing this for a long time. And so a lot of my clients are medicated. I mean, three out of five people are medicated. So a lot of people are medicated um, and have, you know, therapists and psychiatrists, but oftentimes women come to me that have been through a tremendous amount of therapy and still hate, hate themselves and their bodies. Mm-hmm. And I actually, you know, I'm teaching a class tonight. I have an amazing group of about 12 women, and, and I would say more than half um, have tried a lot of things. And already in four weeks, they're like, they're, their minds are blown. That's minds are blown. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, I think that, you know, when you're caught up in a cycle of self-loathing, that you are really 
holding yourself back and keeping other people from fully experiencing the magic that you've been gifted with. Mm -hmm. I I think that self-loathing is a way to, you know, the proverbial light under, under the bushel that we're, Mm -hmm. we're trying to remain hidden and for whatever reasons, but once we begin to step out, Mm -hmm. we often experience the, the love that we didn't think we deserved. I know. And, you know, the thing is, is that we have been kicked down by others. We've kicked ourselves down. And, you know, I say, what's, what's, what's the greatest protector of all? Fat. You don't need fat to protect yourself. But there's a lot of people that have used it as the great barrier. It's like I was very aware that it was my protector and my barrier, like to keep people away. But you don't have to be fat to have that isolation and that barrier around you. You can just, you know, um, isolate yourself in all kinds of ways. Just yeah, escape, escape. Yeah, yeah. that's that's great. So, how about a a first step? How does somebody really recognize that and become aware that I really have a body image problem, and it may be impacting? holding me back from achieving the success that I really say that I want and, and deserve. Well, I just, people can email me Laura at one pinky dot. Oh my goodness. at skinny fat, perfect.com. 